just mega mountains. The vast majority of Anglicans worldwide have told us not to take this step, which many of them see as a scandal. There was this outpouring roar of approval when Gene came in and they actually saw him. It's not about me, it's about so many other people who find themselves at the margins. Homosexual behavior is something you do, it's not something that you are. Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Lucia Chappelle. Jamaica's top court rebuffs buggery law challenge. The new U.S. House Speaker is unspeakably anti-queer. And honoring the 2003 consecration of Episcopal Bishop Gene Robinson. Those stories and more this week now that you've discovered This Way Out. I'm Michael LeBeau. And I'm Melanie Keller. With News Wrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending November 4th, 2023. Jamaica's Supreme Court is leaving the Caribbean nation stuck with its British colonial era anti-queer sex laws. The justices unanimously upheld the inherited buggery laws in an October 27th ruling based on constitutional revisions approved by the Jamaican Parliament in 2011. Those revisions prohibit the court from examining the constitutionality of the Offense Against the Person Act, the law that covers private consensual adult same-gender sex. Longtime Jamaican activist Maurice Tomlinson challenged those statutes in 2015. He claimed that they violate his right to privacy and their right to protection from inhumane or degrading punishment or other treatment. Tomlinson now lives in Canada with his husband. He wrote on his Facebook page following the ruling, thankful for the privilege of living in a country where my love isn't illegal. Still, he's continuing to press for change in his homeland. He told the Washington Blade that he can appeal the ruling to the Jamaican Court of Appeal and then to the Privy Council in London. Jamaica won its independence from the UK in 1962, and the Privy Council is a special appeals court for British territories, but it still hears Jamaican appeal challenges. A referendum to officially remove the British monarch as Jamaica's titular head of state is expected next year. Hungary's far-right Christian nationalist government is protecting young people from the World Press Photo Exhibition. The Hungarian National Museum in Budapest stopped selling tickets to the traveling exhibition to visitors under the age of 18 on October 28th. Government officials saw dangerous queer content in a set of five photos by Filipina photojournalist Hannah Reyes Morales. They portray a community of elderly LGBTQ people in the Philippines who live together and care for each other. Some of them are shown wearing makeup and dressed in drag. Prime Minister Viktor Orban's compliant lawmakers banned the display and promotion of homosexuality in books and media in 2021. Earlier this year, some Hungarian booksellers were fined for selling books with homosexual content because they were not plastic-wrapped as required by law. To World Press Photo Executive Director Jumana L. Zane Kuri, it's mind-boggling. She told the Associated Press that the photos are so positive, so inclusive, that the exhibit's first censorship in Europe shocked us terribly. 
It's no shock for Orban to be at odds with the European Union over Hungary's repressive, anti-democratic, anti-human rights record. Reyes Morales said in an emailed statement to AP that the subjects in her photographs are icons and role models in the LGBTQ Filipino community who are not dangerous or harmful. In her words, she's beyond saddened that their story is being kept in a shadow. Taiwan's Vice President Lai Chinta was among an estimated 180,000 celebrants at this year's Taipei Pride March on October 28th. That makes him the first senior government leader to attend the event in person. He told the Pride crowd that equal marriage is not the end. It's the starting point for diversity. This year's Pride theme was recognizing the diversity of every person and respecting and accepting different gender identities. Lai is favored to succeed President Tsai Ing-wen in next year's national elections. He marched with his ruling Democratic Progressive Party contingent behind a banner that read, Democracy Supports Gays. Parade watchers could be heard shouting, Hello, Mr. President, over the upbeat music blasting for the usual drag queens and scantily clad dancers. President Tai posted her message of support for this year's celebration on her Facebook page. LGBTQ advocacy groups generally say that the rights of transgender people are at the top of the current queer political agenda in Taiwan. While they were marching in Taipei, (laughs) Johannesburg's 34th annual Pride March was also in the streets. They were not just marching for South Africa. Organizers dedicated their parade to LGBTQ plus Ugandans and all Africans who cannot march for themselves. 25-year-old gay Ugandan refugee Mandela Swali led the estimated 24,000 people to Joburg's Wanderer Stadium. Adorned in glitter and waving a Ugandan flag, he was forced to flee his homeland after being arrested for having sex with his boyfriend. Uganda's horribly repressive Anti-Homosexuality Act that punishes some forms of same-gender sex with death was enacted earlier this year. Swali told reporters, This is the space, and this is the family I deserve to have right now. I feel like I'm at home. While South Africa was the first on the continent to open civil marriage to same-gender couples, anti-queer discrimination and violence persists. Pride Parade organizer Kay Alley told radio host Bongani Bingwa, We are very far from creating an inclusive society where children, the youth, and adults are totally accepted for their authentic self. In other news... Idaho's school bathroom bill is on hold again, thanks to the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. The legislation would deny trans students and school staff the use of sex-segregated campus facilities that match their gender identity. A federal court temporarily blocked enforcement of the law in August, but Chief U.S. District Judge David Nye lifted the injunction in October after deciding that neither side had proven its case. The Ninth Circuit Appeals Court reinstated the injunction before the law was to take effect on November 2nd. The queer advocacy group Lambda Legal is challenging the law along with two private law firms. Their press release explains that the temporary injunction will stay in place until the justices review the likelihood of the plaintiff's success, which is expected to happen over the next few months. Lambda Legal represents a 7th grade transgender student known by the pseudonym Rebecca Rowe and the Sexuality and Gender Alliance at Boise High School. The state's conservative Christian Idaho Family Policy Center helped write the law.
The previously little-known new speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives has a wealth of truly offensive anti-queer skeletons in his closet. Republican Mike Johnson's far-right, white Christian nationalist past and present are giving intrepid researchers a field day. Johnson once worked for the Alliance Defending Freedom, which has repeatedly advocated against LGBTQ equality and bodily autonomy. The Southern Poverty Law Center labels it a hate group. Johnson's wife, Kelly, is the owner and CEO of Onward Christian Counseling Services, which promotes medically debunked conversion therapy. A Huffington Post investigation found a mission statement posted on the organization's website that states, We believe, and the Bible teaches, that any form of sexual immorality, such as adultery, fornication, homosexuality, bisexual conduct, bestiality, incest, pornography, or any attempt to change one's sex or disagreement with one's biological sex, is sinful and offensive to God. The website magically disappeared soon after husband Mike's selection to be House Speaker. CNN uncovered more damning statements that Mr. Johnson once made to a podcaster that underscore his supposedly Bible-based political agenda. Our race, the size of our feet, the color of our eyes, these are things we're born with and we cannot change. But what these adult advocacy groups like the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network are promoting is a type of behavior. Homosexual behavior is something you do. It's not something that you are. Many historians, those who are objective, would give some credit to the fall of Rome to not only the deprivation of the society and the, the loss of morals, but also to the rampant you know, homosexual behavior uh, that was uh, condoned by the society. Meanwhile, the Republicans fiddle while the planet burns. Finally, U.S. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg has a way of dealing with anti-queer politicians like House Speaker Mike Johnson. Pete and his husband, Chaston, recently celebrated his fifth wedding anniversary. The couple is raising twin toddlers. He had a ready response on November 2nd when the host of CBS TV's Late Show with Stephen Colbert asked, So how do you work with a guy who argued that same-sex relations are the dark harbinger of chaos and sexual anarchy that could doom even the strongest republic? Maybe we'll just have him over, because our our little house isn't that far from from the Capitol. And if he could see what it's like when I come home from work and Chaston's bringing the kids home from daycare or vice versa, and one of us is getting the mac and cheese ready, and, and they won't take their shoes off, and one of them needs a diaper change, Everything about that is chaos, but nothing about that is dark. That's the love of God is in that house. That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending November 4th, 2023. Follow the news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappelle, produced by Brian DeShazer, and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast. Much more. For This Way Out, I'm Melanie Keller. Stay healthy. And I'm Michael LeBeau. Stay safe. Children born today will grow up in a world without donuts. Hello, I'm Robbie Kaplan, the author of Then Comes Marriage, United States v. Windsor and the Defeat of Doma. And you are listening to This Way Out, the international radio show for all our sexually diverse communities.
Our listeners support This Way Out in many ways. By subscribing to our e-newsletter. Email us at info at thiswayout.org. And through your financial contributions to our program. More information about how you can give is online at thiswayout.org. Thank Thank you. you. Reverend Gene Robinson became the first out bishop of the U.S. Episcopal Church and the Worldwide Anglican Communion in November 2003. This Way Out's Greg Gordon reported on Robinson's consecration 20 years ago this week. Shouts of both hallelujah and heresy accompanied the historic November 2nd consecration of the Reverend Gene Robinson as the first openly gay bishop of the Episcopal Church USA. The leadership of the worldwide Anglican Communion, of which the Episcopalians are a part, has awaited the moment with bated breath. Robinson's election last June by the Diocese of New Hampshire and his confirmation in August at the denomination's general convention sent traditionalists into a tailspin. 2,700 U.S. delegates met in October to discuss splitting from the Episcopal Church, and primates from around the globe have threatened schism. Those threats led to an emergency two-day summit of the world's Anglican archbishops three weeks ago. They issued a statement announcing their agreement to establish a commission to study the Robinson crisis, as well as a Canadian diocese's decision to allow blessings for same-gender couples. Nevertheless, they warned that the gay priest's elevation to bishop would put the unity of the communion in serious jeopardy. But Robinson held his ground, and when the day arrived, three to 4,000 supporters, including some 50 bishops, gathered to witness his consecration at the University of New Hampshire's Whitmore Center in Durham. Inside, singing with her Exeter Church's 100-voice choir, was parents, families, and friends of Lesbians and Gays National Board member Peggy Gage. A lifelong active Episcopalian, Gage first met Robinson when they were both involved in a campaign for New Hampshire civil rights laws several years ago. She was able to describe the event for us from her unique perspective and bird's-eye view of the ceremony. Outside, as police maintained a safety zone of about 30 feet between the more than 200 pro-gay demonstrators and their 25 anti-gay opponents, this church service had a disquieting gauntlet for parishioners to pass through. There was just mega amounts of security. There were police everywhere. But they were polite and very, very, you know, unobtrusive. They were very helpful and everything. But inside the building, you had to go through a metal detector to get inside. And once you were inside with your ticket punched, you could not leave. So what they were trying to do is to keep all those people inside safe from whatever was going on outside. The extraordinary security measures delayed the start of the service for almost an hour. But once things got started... The procession was all the churches and the schools in the diocese. And then we had... um, procession of the Episcopal, Ecumenical, and Interfaith guests that all came in. And it just went on and on, and you know, all these churches with their banners and everything. One of the girls, a young woman, had this beautiful, long, um, 
it was like a, a bendable stick. I can't even describe it. I mean, with a dove that was floating above it, and this was she would wave this. I mean, you know, if we talk about peace in this world, the peace symbol was there. I mean, to see that floating in front of you, you know, with, with, with your procession of your, your cross and your crucifer and your, your, your two young people carrying, um, you know, the candles behind them, it was just absolutely breathtaking. And then, of course, in came the procession of the bishops. And there were uh, 50 bishops from all over the country. As the bishops came in, and Jean, he was, of course, not, he was not then the bishop because he hadn't been consecrated, but his sacramental robes were just gorgeous, and they were made by, I think, a couple of uh, guys in New York. And, um, again, this is, they were gorgeous. They were, they were bright orange. I mean, orange and reds, and in other words, they weren't, it wasn't just some little white thing like that. You could definitely see who it was, and it was just, it was just really beautiful. There was this outpouring of, of a roar of approval when Jean came in and they saw him, actually saw him. Um, it was just, it was, it was spontaneous. I mean, it, it was the Holy Spirit working, honestly. It was just amazing because it was, a, it was not put on. You know, it was like, there he is. He's here. He really it made it. In other words, he's been, had so much hell from everybody, and there he is. This is his big day, and he's here. Robinson was formally presented by his former wife, his daughters, his partner, Mark Andrew, and other family members. And um, then there is in the service, is there is um, the signing of the declaration and witnesses. And the, one of the things that's said at the end of this prayer is, um, is just simply this, Nevertheless, if any of you know any reason why we should not proceed, let it be known. And that's when the detractors can get up. It breaks my heart to be here. My name is Earl Fox. I'm canonically resident in the Diocese of Pittsburgh. He st started to talk about the same old tired line of what's wrong with homosexuals and so forth and their lifestyle. Approximately 91% engage in anal sex. 82% engage in rimming, the touching of the anus of one's partner with one's tongue. And Father Fox, I think you could spare us these details and come to the substance, please. You understand what I'm talking about? Yes, I think we do. This mom from PFLAG, when I hear that lifestyle term, it makes me jump because it just is so wrong. I mean, nobody in their right mind would want to be hated as much as, as my kid has been hated in her life. And it's not a lifestyle at all. Her lifestyle is to be um, a normal child with a, a cat and um, a, a nice partner that I love very much, and she lives and she pays taxes. To call homosexuality a lifestyle just drives me nuts. My name is Meredith Harwood, I, from New Hampshire. To press forward with this consecration will be to turn our backs on Almighty God. This is the defiant and divisive act of a deaf church. The clear teaching of Holy Scripture in both Testaments, without exception, is that sexual activity outside of marriage is wrong for the people of God, yet we are deaf to the Bible. The vast majority of Anglicans worldwide have told us not to take this step, which many of them see as a scandal, yet we are deaf to their cries. Again and again, a significant number of our ecumenical partners have asked us to step back from this plunge into unrighteousness, and their words have gone unheeded. Let us be quite clear. Not once, but twice this year, the Anglican primates 
have said that relationships between people who are not married are not to be sanctioned by the church. They recently warned us that this unilateral and arrogant American action, if carried through, would tear the fabric of our communion at its deepest level. Then the African bishop from Albany said there were 36 bishops that didn't want, you know, that did not recognize Jean and was talking about the, the Bible and, their, and, and, um, and how they, they, you know, the Lambeth Agreement in 1998, and he just went on for, for quite some time. And they all, they all thanked them very much. They were very, very polite to them. And, and Bishop Griswold just said, well, we've had this all discussed before, but we're just going to proceed. And so he went on. Peggy Gage was especially impressed by outgoing New Hampshire Bishop Douglas Thuner. Bishop Thuner, our retiring bishop, gave the most incredible sermon. He looked at him and he said, Gene, he said, I'm going to give you a couple of things that you must know when you take on this job, which is not going to be easy. He got a lot of laughs, too, from people. I mean, he has a very good sense of humor. But he said, holiness is a must and you have been called by God, you haven't, you know, it isn't for you, you have been called by God. And what you've done is, because who you are, you have finally been able to reach out to the margins of our faith or of our church and bring those people in the margins to the center. Now, that is the message. When Jean spoke, before the communion, of course, he uh, was vested and he actually was consecrated. Doug is right. It's not about me. It's about so many other people who find themselves at the margins and for whatever reason have not known the year of the Lord's favor. Your presence here is a welcome sign for those people to be brought into the center. So I want to say the same three things I said to you on the day that you called me to be your bishop. First is, you cannot imagine what an honor it is for you to have called me. Second of all, I want to remind you of what you already know, which is that there are people, faithful, wonderful, Christian people, for whom this is a moment of great pain and confusion and anger. And our God will be served if we are hospitable and loving and caring toward them in every way we can possibly muster. And they must know that if they must leave, they will always be welcome back into our fellowship. And in the meantime, that we will do everything we possibly can to reach out to them in the kind of love that God modeled for us, that Jesus modeled for us, and that God wants for us. The new Bishop of New Hampshire closed the service as well. The Bishop says, Our help is in the name of the Lord, and people answer, The Maker of heaven and earth. The Bishop says, Blessed be the name of the Lord, and the people answer, From this time forth forevermore. And then the Bishop blesses you, by, the, by making the sign of the cross. The blessing, mercy, and grace of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you forever. And everybody answers, Amen. And then there's the dismissal. Let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. And we all yell out, Thanks be to God. And when they go out, this place erupted again as he went past everyone, you know, 
they just started to cheer. And, of course, right after his consecration, it was like, all I can think of is, is, is a, you know, if you want to have somebody that you like for president, they, they wouldn't stop cheering for him. That was P-Flag mom and church choir member Peggy Gage describing the November 2nd consecration of Gene Robinson as New Hampshire's Episcopal bishop. About 400 traditionalist Episcopalians held an alternative communion service at a borrowed church a couple of miles away, sponsored by the American Anglican Council, a network of conservatives. In a statement issued after Robinson's consecration, they declared that the time has come, our family is now split, and the whole cloth of the Anglican communion is torn. Realignment has begun. The Episcopal News Service's James Solheim told CNN, The presiding bishop has already met with bishops who are totally opposed to this consecration. He's also met with those who find great joy in this consecration. If we can't bridge that gap, we could be in trouble. In Britain, the first among equals, Archbishop of Canterbury Rowan Williams was not cheering either. The divisions that are arising are a matter of deep regret, he said in a post-consecration statement, adding that they will be all too visible in the fact that it will not be possible for Gene Robinson's ministry as a bishop to be accepted in every province in the communion. Granting that Robinson's elevation was an act of good faith, Williams warned that the effects of this upon the ministry and witness of the overwhelming majority of Anglicans, particularly in the non-Western world, have to be confronted with honesty. The leader of the Global Anglican Communion still, however, expressed some optimism that the agreement to continue discussions on the subject of homosexuality reached at last month's emergency primates meeting would forestall any hasty action by the conservatives. Peggy Gage says she's keeping the faith. I have a feeling that this church will not be divided forever. When Jean was visited us a week ago before his uh, consecration, he feels very strongly that there's going to be um, trouble for a while, but I just think that the more that we work at it and do what he's asked, which is to do God's work out there, that they'll realize that this is it's wrong to, to fuss over this. Reporting for This Way Out, I'm Greg Gordon. Much has changed and much remains the same since the consecration of Bishop Robinson. The Lambeth Conference of Anglican Bishops that once refused to recognize him now seats five queer Episcopal bishops. Still, the Anglican Communion remains divided on the issue of homosexuality. Robinson stepped down from the New Hampshire Post in 2013 and went on to work for the American Center for Progress, the Chautauqua Institution, St. Thomas Parish, and the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. He retired in 2021. Peggy Gage passed away in 2014. The fabulous orange and red consecration vestments she described Robinson wearing are now in the Smithsonian's Museum of American History. Thanks for choosing This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. News Wrap was reported this week by Michael LeBeau and Melanie Keller and produced by Brian DeShazer. 
Our archival correspondent was Greg Gordon. Thanks also to the Reverend Susan Gage. You heard music by Rod Stewart and Alan Jackson. Kim Wilson composed and performed our theme music. This Way Out thanks the Kicking Assets Fund of the Tides Foundation and Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors make this program possible. Ask us about how you can join them. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email us at info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For coordinating producer Greg Gordon and everyone at This Way Out, I'm Lucia Chappelle. Thanks for listening online at thiswayout.org or wherever you get your podcasts and on KICI Iowa City, Iowa, WRFG Rochester, New York, CJAM Windsor, Ontario, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned, y'all.